Rabbi Beth, did you tell the community to go to church on Sunday? Oh yeah, we're of course going to church on Sunday at 10 a.m. Please join us in that beautiful Third Baptist uh, services Sunday at 10 a.m. It's so amazing to gather together there as well. And then join us for the march on Monday. We're gathering where? the At the Caltrain station with the um, Black Jewish Unity Group. At 10 a.m. So right, do that to as get ready well. for the 11 o'clock If you look march. on your pamphlets, there are a number of events coming up. Dennis Ross is gonna be returning to speak to us again uh, and other uh, leaders about, uh, about the Middle East. I hope you can come to them too. My job as well tonight is to welcome esteemed guests She's on our board, but she also does so much in the community. We want to honor you, Rita Semmel, for being here tonight. Yes. And if, if you're a minister, would you please stand for a moment? A reverend or a minister. We want to welcome all of you who work with Reverend Brown and the Christian community. The good work you here. And I got to greet him when he was coming in, our Israeli Consul General, Shlomi Kaufman. Will you stand up, Shlomi? Wow, he does amazing work. He just led a Bay Area rabbi trip to Israel to work on some of the issues that Rabbi Bauer mentioned to bring us both closer together as community. And we are so grateful to him for his leadership. So welcome, Shlomi. You know, when the children of Israel make it through the Sea of Reeds, and they get to the other side and they're in the wilderness. We read about them making their way towards Sinai for purpose to receive Torah. They get close to the mountain and they get stuck. And another prophet comes forward to guide Moses. Hoten Moses, his father-in-law, he's a prophet from another community, Yitro, but he's also a witness for God. Without listening to the other prophet from the other religion that some of the rabbis teach, we Jews would not have received Torah. We have to learn from each other. Well, that's what we do here. We have tonight a prophet from another community, Reverend Amos Brown, and he helps all of us receive Torah with the good work that he does to stand up against injustice, to encourage us not to be fearful to try to bring change to a world that's stuck, to work with all communities as he does. He's a uniter and he's a fighter to bring that change. Well, we are so blessed to have him here tonight. He was one of the founders of this experience. The mayor said decades, but boy, Reverend Brown is forever young. And we're grateful to have him come give his clear message, speaking his truth, helping us get our Torah. Will you welcome Reverend Amos Brown to the people?
Good evening. Just before I deliver my remarks, I want us to sit her down and savor the hearing of the king of the instruments as God speaks through Reverend James Smith.
to this partnership and rabbinic leadership. Rabbis Jonathan and Beth Singer. To all of the members of the Rabbinic Council of this great house of help, hope, happiness, and healing. Temple Emmanuel. To all of the ministers and officers of Third Baptist Congregation, especially to our choice member, our Honorable Mayor, London Breed. And to all of you, our heavenly parents, children, good evening. I assure you that words fall far too short for me to express how incredible it is that Third Baptist and Congregation Emmanuel are now celebrating 32 years of interfaith interracial and intergroup fellowship and something that is not happening in this world. We are in a world today in which it is very easy and a simple thing for persons to become wreckers rather than builders, dividers rather than uniters, hell raisers rather than instruments of delivering heaven on earth. We live in a world in which the chief person of this nation finds it very simple Quite easy, I repeat, to lie rather than to tell the truth. He acts as if he never heard about even the story of one George Washington, <laughs> who cut down that cherry tree and didn't lie about it. It's a sad commentary that it has come to the point that in this very nation, one would tell a lie even when the truth is in your favor. And that is serious for this nation. In Mississippi, where I came from, Sister Rita's symbol, the old folks who didn't go to Morehouse, Harvard, Yale, Sarah Lawrence, the University of California said you can't chunk straight with a crooked stick. 
And we have too much crookedness in this nation today. And I'm going to base this assertion on a passage of scripture that hopefully when we are finished, there will be a note of hope and reconciliation. In the 52nd chapter of Deutero-Isaiah, these words are recorded. Awake, awake, put on thy strength, O Zion. Put on thy beautiful garment, O Jerusalem. The holy city, for henceforth there shall no more come into thee the uncircumcised and the unclean. Shake thyself from the dust. Arise, sit down, O Jerusalem. Loose thyself from the bands of thy neck, O captive daughter of Zion. For thus saith the Lord, ye have sold yourselves for naught, and ye shall be redeemed without money. For thus saith the Lord God, my people went down aforetime into Egypt to sojourn there, and the Assyrians oppressed them without cause. Now therefore, what have I here, saith the Lord, that my people is taken away for naught? They that rule over them Make them to howl, saith the Lord, and my name continually every day is blasphemed. That first verse says again, awake, awake, put on thy beautiful strength, O Zion. Put on thy beautiful garment, O Jerusalem, the holy city. For henceforth there shall no more come into thee the uncircumcised and the unclean. And from this text, I want to talk about sleeping through the crisis, sleeping through the crisis. In this nation, there are too many people who are asleep. And those who are not asleep are sleepwalking. I said in this nation there are too many folks who are asleep. And those who are not asleep are sleepwalking. Oh, it's a dangerous thing to go asleep when you ought to be awake 
My dear wife can testify to that. For on a serious note, over a year ago, she was going across that Bay Bridge and had just eaten a burrito. And you know how it is for some of us, once we eat, we go to sleep. And she went to sleep at the will. But God's grace spared her. There was in front of her, in front of her, thank God for those big cars that my wife is alive, though a car was total. I said, it's dangerous to go to sleep and to go to sleep at the will. But we're living at a time in which we have been lulled to sleep by infotainment and entertainment, even in the evening news. We have been anesthetized by the pundits who have told us that we are living in the best of times. But many of us are asleep because we don't read. We spend 47 minutes reading and 67 hours looking at television. And that television has lulled us to sleep. If you don't believe it, let me read something to you. I shared this wherever I've gone across this country. As democracy is perfected, the office of the president represents more and more closely the inner soul of the people. On some great and glorious day, the plain folks of the land will reach their heart's desire at last, and the White House will be occupied by a downright fool and complete narcissistic moron. <laughs> now, I, good, I have good manners. My mama told me to behave when I left home. But I didn't say that. <laughs> it was H.L. Mickens, the senior editor of the Baltimore's Evening Sun in 1920, who predicted that the White House in the United States of America would be adorned with the presence of a downright moron as the president. But Bill Clinton reminded us that if you ever see a turtle on a stump, you better rest assured that turtle didn't get up there by himself or herself. Somebody put him up there on that stump.
And what Mickens said in 1920, while people were being lulled to sleep down to this very moment, we were not listening. We didn't pay attention. But in this text that we have here, Isaiah says to the captives, and that's who we are. We are captives now in this nation to nonsense, to incivility, to division, to racism, to anti-Semitism. We are captives to materialism. We are captives, said Dr. King also, to militarism. We have a president who brags about a military budget and we spend peanuts on education. This nation used to be number seven in education and health, but now we've sunk down to number 27. Shame on America. We have slept through the crisis and now we are fussing and fighting and cursing each other over whether or not everybody should have decent health care. If the congressmen, if the senators, the members of the representatives of our nation can have health care, every American citizen who's a child of God should have health care in these United States of America. Awake, awake, O daughters of Jerusalem, O daughters and sons of America, and put on your beautiful garments. You've heard this phrase, the emperor has no clothes. Well, this emperor here definitely doesn't have his clothes when he's naked right before the whole world. But if you dressed up, if you got your clothes on, you got great benefit. I just flew in last night from Jackson, Mississippi. And uh, on the way here, when we got over New Mexico, it got pretty rough up there. And uh, though I know the Lord down here, but I'm more, uh, you know, he's everywhere but I'm more acquainted with the Lord on the earth. <laughs> and as it got rough there, I ordered me a little bottle of wine. <laughs> now you of Israel have known that for a long time, for Proverbs does say, a little wine is good for the stomach. The wine costs $9. I gave the flight attendant my credit card. And I thought everything was over. But as we got closer home, after the plane landed, 
I was the last one in the back. I didn't have the money to ride first class. I rode tourists. <laughs> and naturally, since I had this stroke in 2010, though God spared my mouth and my mind, but my feet were compromised. And I wasn't moving that fast. And as I got up, reached up to get this cane, the flight attendant came up to me and she said, you know, I didn't want everybody else to hear this, but I didn't charge you for your wine. <laughs> the flight attendant said, you look so distinguished and you so dressed up that I decided that it was on me tonight. There is an advantage in being awake. There is an advantage of putting on your beautiful garment. And I just came by here to tell you, it's time for America to wake up and to put our beautiful clothes on and show the nation that we are one nation and the world too would know it under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all, and all means all. All gay, transgender, all straight people, all black, brown, yellow, green, polka dot, and in between, it's time that America gets its act together and put its clothes on and look like it is a free nation, the leading nation of the world. You may say, oh, you're stretching it, Amos. You're being too much emotional about it. But I come to tell you tonight, you better read Gibbon's book, The Rise and Fall of the Roman Empire. Gibbon defines it there, that Rome didn't fall because of an enemy from without. But Rome fell because the Caesars, because the Trumps were living in, in opulence and the plebeians were living in poverty. You can't maintain a nation if you don't have a concern about the poor folk. My teacher and friend, Dr. Martin Luther King said, there will never be a common wealth unless there's wealth for all who are in the commonwealth. And we must make it the point that everybody should have three square meals a day is a shame of oh God, Mary, Bartholomew, Moses, all of the disciples, that the medium income for blacks in San Francisco is a million mouth, $29,000 a year, but for whites, it's $101,000 a year. Shame, shame, shame on so-called progressive San Francisco. We can do better than this. Everybody ought to have a job. Everybody ought to have a fair wage. Everybody ought to have 
that which God ordained for us to have. Awake, awake, O daughters of Jerusalem. Awake, O sons and daughters of America. Put on your beautiful garments that God may be pleased with you and that heaven may smile upon you. You know, secondly, we must wake up and be really, really engaged, connected. It's not enough to come together and to recite Dr. King's I Have a Dream. Dr. King's dream has been turned into a nightmare. Dante says in the Inferno, the hottest places in hell are reserved for those who remain neutral in a time of moral crisis. And I saw that the other day, a woman named Cindy Hyde Smith, candidate for the U.S. Senate from my native state of Mississippi, lived there in Brookhaven, Mississippi, in Lincoln County, Sucerita, the county that was named for Abraham Lincoln, who had the courage, whether it was a political expediency or not, to sign that Emancipation Proclamation. But in that very county, the woman who ran for the Senate, Cindy Hyde Smith, made the statement, and thanks to technology, you can go home and Google it. If there were a lynching, I would be there on the front row to witness it. She made that statement in Mississippi in 20. 18, but the so-called white evangelicals, help me somebody, who gave Barack Obama hell and would support him, those same people, and I call them out, Franklin Graham, Jerry Farwell Jr., Paula White, Robert Jeffers, all of them claiming they're concerned about Christ. They ain't concerned about Christ. They're concerned about cash, about power, and about using people for their personal gain. But not a one of the so-called followers of Jesus said boo when Cindy Hyde Smith said she would show up for a lynching in Mississippi. Our President Trump didn't say one word. The Speaker of the House didn't say one word. Who was the wrong one then? But thank God we got the right one in there now. The lady from San Francisco, Sister Pelosi. Why do I miss this? Not to insult you, but because I live what I'm talking about. I remember in 1955, it was a sad year. In that year, on May the 7th, 
1955, Reverend George Washington Lee was on his way home at midnight, and a member of the Ku Klux Klan with a shotgun shot his jaw off. What was his crime? He would not take his wife, his name, or members of his church's name off the voting list in Humphreys County, Mississippi. Come forward on August the 24th, 1955. Lamar Smith, a World War I veteran, a black man, was on his way to the courthouse and white supremacists shot him down at close range on the lawn of the courthouse. What was his crime? He was only taking some absentee ballots from his neighborhood. Come forward with me on November the 24th. Gus Courts, another preacher, was shot by Ku Klux Klan members in Belzoni, Mississippi. What am I saying to you? It's time for us to wake up and not be faced with any more representatives in Congress, the state house, or the local house who will utter racist, bigoted, backwards, uncivilized expressions that should have not come out of the mouth of any human being. It's time for us to wake up. It's time for us to dress up. It is time for us to stand up. But we are asleep in San Francisco. And that's why we need back on track so much to continue. I believe I saw Miss Tiffany Jones in the back. Stand up, Tiffany. We have now approximately 50 students who are in back on track. But in San Francisco, between Emmanuel and Third Baptist, there ought to be 100 or 200. Why? Because black students in the school district, to be exact, there are about 4,400 now. There used to be. 25,000. Shame on San Francisco. Blacks didn't leave. They were pushed out. Pushed out by a public policy called redevelopment. But it was black removal. I come here tonight to tell the truth. And if I step on anybody's toes, I got some salve in my back pocket. <laughs> but such as the number that's left in this school district. We have the worst performing rate of black students in any district in the state of California. And yet we claim to be liberal, progressive, and a city for all. We better wake up. It's time for San Francisco to wake up and to make sure that if every child 
ought to be able to say in the words of Chaucer, gladly will I learn and gladly will I teach others how to find the way to the good life. Awake, awake, awake. Put on your beautiful garment. There are many other pieces that I could talk about, but that last piece is the piece of criminal justice. Criminal justice. Yes, they signed a bill in Washington. Yes, Gavin Newsom is talking about prison reform. But I submit to you that unless we wake up, unless we put on our garments, when they come back to the hood and to the city, and there are no jobs, there is no housing, there is no place to celebrate one's culture in dignity. You are back to square one. So Emmanuel, I invite you to join us with prison reform, with reentry programs, so that we will show that we are a forgiving people. If Nixon could get If Mr. Nixon could commit a crime and write his memoirs and be reinstored and recycle, black, brown, and red children ought to be able to be recycled too. We recycle paper, we recycle cans, we recycle everything. It's time for us to restore people to the God of their salvation that they will come back home in the community, there to work, there to raise children, there to be a presence for the betterment of the whole community. We got to wake up, and wake up we must. Finally, we can't go to sleep and not have our clothes on about this immigration bit. Yeah, I'm stomping on that too. <laughs> Don't you be seduced by this nonsense. We want to keep them folks out. If we, if we keep them folks out, why we didn't keep that man out who blew up that Murrah building? Why we didn't keep out those people who blew up? 16th Street Baptist Church in Birmingham. Why we haven't kept out these other folks in this country who have killed babies in school. We must stop being hypocrites on this issue of immigration. Thank God. Oh, thank God that I know how to read. There was a man down at Stanford University in 1891, a sociologist named Edward Ross. Y'all ever heard of that name? 
Go out there and hurry up there and hold up your hand. Oh, I'm in good territory tonight. <laughs> Edward Ross was almost fired from Stanford University, and it wasn't yesterday. In 1891, a sociologist named Edward Ross coined the term race suicide to describe the plight of the besieged Anglo-Saxon whose birth weight was falling because of late marriages, a culture of self-control, and the beginnings of modern contraceptives below those of, listen to this, the sweaty Negroes and aliens who engaged, it seemed, in incessant copulation. For some, the color of the peril was chiefly yellow, infamous for their fecundity. Asians were, according to the Democratic Party platform of 1884, listen to this, unfitted by habit, training, or religion for the citizenship which our laws conferred. Forty years later, hear me here, the conventional image of the Chinese male was the sinister Fong Manchu who first appeared as a popular stereotype in 1917. Others were alarmed by the concupiscence of the Jews. Listen to this. By the concupiscence of the Jews. There is no swarming, end of quote. Wrote who? Henry James in 1903. Like that of Israel. A year later, or a year later, Trump ain't by himself, but a year later, Theodore Roosevelt wrote an article entitled True Americanism, in which he borrowed Ross's phrase about the coming suicide and declared it the duty of everyone of Native American descent to bring forth at least four children in order to forestall the extinction of the race, end of the quote, and all who fail in this duty, he said, flatly were criminals. That's what Theodore Roosevelt said. This is a numbers game, y'all. This immigration stuff is a numbers game. And Stephen Miller ought to be ashamed of himself. His grandparents came from Eastern Europe where they were persecuted and settled in Pennsylvania. And he is around here writing all of Donald Trump's anti-immigration speeches. It's time for us to wake up put on our garments to save this nation. For if we don't, it will be to our detriment. And I say to you in love and respect, America can be better than this. America can indeed be one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. But it's up to us to wake up to speak up, to love up, to encourage up,
to give there a great statement of support for whoever is working for the best. And when we do this, the things of anti-Semitism, racism, homophobia, xenophobia, and all of those phobias that superficially divide the human family will be no more. But these things shall be a your race that now the world have known shall rise with flame of freedom in their souls and light of knowledge in their eyes. They shall be gentle, brave, and strong to spill no drop of blood, but dare all that may plant man's lordship firm on earth and fire and sea and air and nations with nations and lands with land unarmed shall live as conquest free and in the heart of all mankind shall throb the one the pulse of one fraternity new art shall bloom of loftier mold and mighty music free of the skies and every life shall be a song when all the earth is paradise and when paradise comes, all of us will be able to say, I'm black and I'm proud. I'm brown and I'm sound. I'm yellow and I'm mellow. I'm red and I ain't dead. I'm white and I'm all right. I'm a woman, but I'm wise. I'm gay, but I'm godly. I'm an immigrant, but I'm industrious. I'm straight, but I'm sensible. This is what America ought to be about. And when that comes, God will be pleased with us and the nations of the world will celebrate us and see us as a great nation. God bless you. Have a good evening. Thank you for being here. Thank you for your efforts. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your support. For God needs us, and the time is now.